When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Canada EHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. When Herbert Greenfield was pushed out of the UFA as leader, John Brownlee took over. Brownlee was arguably the best UFA premier in Alberta's history, and some consider him to be one of the best premiers Alberta ever had. That being said, he is most remembered for one of the biggest scandals in Alberta's history, but we will get to that. John Brownlee was born on August 27, 1883 in Ontario to Bill and Christina Brownlee, who owned a general store in the community. Brownlee loved his childhood in the store and often took in the political talks of his parents with neighbours and read many of the books in the store. In fact, he hated spending time with other children and being outside so much that at one point the village children grabbed him and threw him in Lake Erie. In 1880, with the community dying as the age of the railway superseded the age of ports, Brownlee and his family moved to Bradshaw, Ontario, where he began to attend school. At his school, he was the only student not from a farm. At the age of 14, he entered high school in Sarnia, which was so far away he boarded with another family and only saw his parents on holidays and some weekends. As a student, he was not socially popular, but he was described as diligent and brilliant by his teachers. After high school, Brownlee enrolled at Sarnia Model School to train as a teacher. After 15 weeks, he graduated second in his class and within a month was working at his local school. Standing at six foot four with blue eyes and a serious work ethic, Brownlee was an imposing figure within the school. Unfortunately, he was unhappy with his $400 per year and chose to leave the school after two and a half years on the job. It was at this point he decided that he wanted to attend school and he moved to Toronto to attend Victoria College. At the university, he pursued an honors program specializing in history and political science. He also studied mathematics, biology, English literature, Latin, and two other languages, German and Hebrew. He could also speak French. In order to pay for his college, he sold books to farmers in Ontario and Manitoba. Interacting with farmers would influence him later in his life, as he studied the problems in their work and won the trust of many farmer associations in the prairies. At the end of his four years at college, he once again graduated in the top tier of his class, having chosen law as his profession. In 1908, Brownlee snuck off on a canoeing trip with his female classmate, Isabella Gavinlock. When they returned, they announced they were engaged, which shocked their friends. 
Unfortunately, by the winter, the engagement was off and Brownlee pursued Florence Eddy, an art student at McMaster. In 1909, Eddie and her family moved to Calgary, and Brownlee chose to follow her. On December 23, 1917, they married, and Brownlee settled down into a life in Calgary. Together, the couple had two sons, John and Alan. Alan dealt with poor health and was an invalid for much of his life. In Alberta, Brownlee loved his life, but Florence missed her friends and family, and her health suffered over her worry for the health of her sons. On December 16, 1912, Brownlee was called to the Alberta Bar and worked for Bennett Allison McLaws. At the law firm, Brownlee worked with Sir James Lougheed, whose grandson Peter would become Premier himself, and R.B. Bennett, who became Prime Minister in 1930. Despite his friendship with Bennett, Brownlee was not happy with the work and moved to Muir, Jefferson and Adams, where he practiced commercial law. In 1914, he became a partner in the firm, and one of the firm's first clients was the United Farmers of Alberta, which was then a lobby organization. Brownlee began to become closely involved with the organization, and he was part of the delegation in 1913 to lobby the government of Arthur Sifton to grant a charter to the UFA to operate the province's grain elevators. This became the Alberta Farmers Cooperative Elevator Company. Brownlee became the principal lawyer for the new company, and he would help it merge with the GGG to form the United Grain Growers. Brownlee said in 1927, My whole success in life dates back to the days when these organizations were in the process of formation. I saw the tremendous possibility for their development and growth and realized, to a large extent, the great influence they would eventually have in the life of the province and the West. Through his work with the UFA and the Elevator Company, Brownlee started to sympathize with the farmers of Alberta and agreed with their view that the business establishment of Eastern Canada was hostile to the interests of Alberta farmers. In July 1919, Brownlee left the law firm and started to work full-time for the United Grain Growers, earning $6,000 per year. Today, that amounts to about $92,000 today. A few months later, he received a raise to 7500 and became the general manager of the company. Through his work with the United Grain Growers, Brownlee worked closely with the United Farmers and its leaders, especially Henry Wise Wood, the organization's president. Brownlee often joined Wood on speaking tours for the province in 1919 and 1920. Working closely with Wood began to increase the interest Brownlee had in the political side of the UFA. Despite his growing interest in politics, Brownlee went on vacation to Victoria, B.C. as the UFA was preparing for the pivotal 1921 election. Brownlee had little interest in the election. He gave no speeches and stated in later years it was a case of the office seeking the man, not the other way around. At the time, he still saw himself as a lawyer and businessman rather than a potential politician, he said. When the campaign of 1921 was pretty well spent and it was apparent that my services would not be required until after the election at least, I figured it was a good time to get in some badly needed holidays and I took my family to Victoria. There was also the belief by Brownlee, through talking with Wood, that the UFA wouldn't win more than 20 seats. In the end, it won 38 and became the government of Alberta. Brownlee heard the results in the Victoria Colonist News Office. The next morning, he got a wire from Wood to get back to Calgary immediately. While Wood was the president, he did not want to be premier, and he suggested Brownlee become premier. Brownlee declined, feeling the new MLAs, mostly farmers, would not want an urban lawyer leading them. 
After Herbert Greenfield was chosen as the new leader of the UFA, he chose Brownlee to become the Attorney General of the province, and Brownlee was acclaimed in a by-election in Pinoca. As Attorney General, Brownlee resisted measures that would give the power of decision-making to the caucus, rather than the government departments. He also opposed efforts to change the Westminster system of Alberta, and he also dismissed the idea of a government-owned bank. Brownlee was also the chief negotiator with the federal government over the transfer of the natural resources of Alberta back to the province. As Attorney General, he was unsuccessful in that, but he would have more success as Premier. He also played an important role in the creation of the Alberta Wheat Pool. Overall, Greenfield relied heavily on Brownlee, and many in the government found this embarrassing and began to divide the caucus. By 1924, the UFA backbenchers were pushing for the resignation of Herbert Greenfield, and they wanted him replaced by Brownlee. So they contacted Brownlee and told them their plan to get Greenfield to resign. He responded that if Greenfield resigned, he would as well. In 1925, the group came forward directly to Greenfield and asked for his resignation, and he agreed, and Brownlee stated he would resign as well. Then, Henry Wise Wood came forward and asked Brownlee to reconsider, and Brownlee said he would if Greenfield himself asked him to become Premier. Greenfield did, stating he never wanted to be Premier in the first place. On November 23, 1925, Greenfield resigned, and Brownlee replaced him. McLean's wrote a glowing portrait of Brownlee, stating, A skipper with full qualifications is the present captain of the Alberta Ship of State, Premier J.E. Brownlee, he has climbed the ladder from cabin boy to commander, and in no position has he been found to be incompetent. As Premier, he was known to be quiet and reserved, but his stature of over six feet gave him that formidable look despite his demeanor. Brownlee said at the time, Public life never appealed to me, and it doesn't even now. I dislike it intensely. I always had been keenly interested in politics as a citizen, but until the time of my entering the Alberta government, I had never sided definitely with any party. One year later, he would be thrust into his first election and the first test for the new UFA government since it saw its 1921 election win. Brownlee campaigned on the record of the United Farmers over the previous five years, stating, I am in the happy position of saying in the face of the people of Alberta that for five years there has not been one occasion either in the House or in the public platform or in the daily press of Alberta during the campaign that the government has been accused of not being honest, sincere, and conscientious. While the United Farmers were popular, the opposition attacked them over their policy in the dry areas of the province where drought was especially bad. There was worry that Brownlee was not healthy as well, as he had to cancel several engagements during the campaign, but Brownlee was quick to assure voters he was simply dealing with a sore throat. In the June 28, 1926 election, the UFA ensured their 1921 election win was no fluke. The party was able to pick up four seats to finish with 43, once again enjoying a majority government. The party also increased its share of the popular vote, earning an extra 10%. The 43 seats won by the party was the most won by a party in the history of the province to that point. It would be nine years before a party finished with more seats. Brownlee said, Although the results are not as yet all in, the government seems to be returned, and for that I want to thank you. But the feeling of elation is mingled with one of great responsibility. During Brownlee's first term, he was able to cooperate with the government of William Lyon Mackenzie King, which allowed Alberta to finally gain control of its provincial resources. 
King needed the UFA as he had a minority government supported by the progressives. Many of those were supported by UFA supporters in Alberta. Gaining the natural resources was still not easy, though. After an agreement was reached in 1926, it was soon scuttled because it added a clause that Alberta continued to support separate Roman Catholic schools. This clause would cause it to go back and forth until 1929 when a compromise was reached. Maclean's wrote in 1930, When Premiers Brownlee, Alberta, and Bracken, Manitoba, last December 14th walked into the Privy Council Chamber in the East Block of Parliament Hill, met Premier Mackenzie King, and together sat at the Great Circular Table to sign the Resources Agreements, there was in an air a consciousness that an event of great historic importance was being enacted. When Brownlee returned from Ottawa, having finally gained Alberta control over its natural resources, he was greeted by 3,000 cheering people. Brownlee's government also took over the direct operation of the CPR and CNR lines in 1927, and in 1928, with the lines now showing a profit, he sold the lines to the CPR for $25 million. The sale of the railways and the control over the natural resources allowed the province to have balanced budgets. Despite this, Brownlee continued to push the federal government to have a greater share of new social programs, which gained him the image of a penny pincher. His government would consolidate the thousands of school districts into only a few districts as well. And one dark aspect of his first term was the passing of the Sexual Sterilization Act, which allowed for the sterilization of anyone the government deemed to be a, quote, mental defective, unquote. This act was supported by many, including suffragists such as Nellie McClung, and would remain a dark chapter in Alberta's history until it was finally repealed in 1972. When the election of 1930 came along, things were still early in the election, and the full force of what was coming was not yet known. But that didn't mean the first signs were beginning to appear of the Great Depression. In the election, the UFA lost five seats to finish with 39, which still gave the party a majority government. The party had only ran one candidate in Edmonton, who won, and no candidates in Calgary. While the election was a victory for the UFA, the Great Depression was getting ready to reshape the politics of Canada. The major export at the time for Alberta was wheat, and the price had fallen from $1.78 per bushel in 1929 to $0.45 by the end of 1930. The Alberta wheat pool guaranteed a minimum price of $1, and it was now facing bankruptcy due to the decline in the price of wheat. Banks soon stopped providing it with credit, and farmers were unable to buy seed by the time the seeding season arrived in 1931. Early on, Brownlee stated that the future was bright, and the Depression was only temporary. When Brownlee tried to get the federal government to provide a minimum guarantee of $0.70 cents per bushel, Prime Minister R.B. Bennett refused this, wrongly believing that global oversupply was the cause of the price decline. In December 1932, with people abandoning farms and coming to the cities, 1,000 unemployed men and women marched in a hunger march to the Alberta legislature. Brownlee asked that such protests be prohibited, while also saying he was sympathetic to the ordeal of workers. Brownlee also saw the first deficit of his premiership in 1931 of $2.5 million, a number that increased in 1932. The province also came within hours of defaulting on a $3 million bond and only avoided that scenario when the federal government provided a loan. To save money, Brownlee closed most of the agricultural colleges in the province, laid off 30% of the civil service, cut provincial employees' salaries, and disbanded the Alberta Provincial Police. It was at this time that a school teacher and evangelist with his own radio show, William Aberhart, started to tout the benefits of social credit. That man and his party would reshape Alberta politics forever, 
But that is a story for another episode. With Aberhart speaking on his radio show about the benefits of social credit, residents of Alberta began to pressure the government to look into it as a solution to the troubles of the Great Depression. In 1933, 54,000 residents signed a petition asking Brownlee and his government to investigate the principles preached by Aberhart and to determine if it was plausible for Alberta. That same year, 70,000 signed a straw ballot approving of social credit. For Brownlee, while the Great Depression was decimating his support in the province, it was a sex scandal that ended his career in 1934. That year, Brownlee was sued for the seduction of a family friend named Vivian McMillan. She was a clerk at the Attorney General's office and she stated that Brownlee seduced her in 1930 in an affair that continued until 1933. McMillan stated that Brownlee persuaded her to sleep with him in his Studebaker touring car, telling her he was lonely and could not have relations with his wife. He stated it would have killed his wife due to her poor health, and by sleeping with him, she was saving the life of his wife. She said during the trial, He played with me as a cat plays with a mouse. He seemed to have me under some sort of spell. Brownlee stated that the story was not true, and that the lawsuit was part of a conspiracy involving the Liberal Party. The trial that followed was highly publicized and sensationalized in the newspapers, and it found in favor of Macmillan and awarded her $10,000 and her father $5,000. But Justice William Carlos Ives, who presided over the trial, disregarded the ruling and stated Macmillan had not suffered any damage. Eventually appeals reached the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council, the highest court of appeal at the time, where Macmillan was victorious. After the trial was finished, Brownlee had no doubt that his time as Premier was over. He stated he would resign as soon as the successor was chosen. On July 10, 1934, Richard Gavin Reed replaced him as Premier of Alberta. After his resignation, Brownlee maintained a low profile while still serving as an MLA. Brownlee was made the chief strategist for the party against Aberhart in his social credit policy. And despite his efforts to show that the policies of Aberhart were unconstitutional, the Social Credit Party won the 1935 election, ending the era of the UFA leading Alberta and beginning almost 40 years of social credit power in the province. In that election, every single UFA candidate was defeated, and Brownlee lost to his social credit opponent 2,295 votes to 879. After his election defeat, Brownlee went back to law and opened a firm in Toronto. He soon became the general counsel for the United Grain Growers, and by 1940, he had restored his career to where it was before he entered politics. As general counsel, he restructured the capital of the organization, which helped limit capital inflow and created two classes of shares to help impoverished farmers. In 1942, he was appointed to the board of directors for the organization and became its vice president. In 1948, he was made the president of the United Grain Growers. Brownlee worked constantly in his position, often arriving at work with a briefcase full of dictation machines for secretaries to transcribe. As president, he expanded the company, built new grain elevators, and bought existing ones. He also increased the organization's presence in centres such as Regina, Brandon, and Winnipeg. In 1957, the first of several major surgeries began for Brownlee, and at this point, his mind started to fail him, and he relied on his wife to help him with things he would forget. In his later years, Brownlee received several honours, including induction into the Order of the Buffalo Hunt in Manitoba and an appointment to the National Productivity Council by Prime Minister John Diefenbaker. He continued to serve as president until June 21, 1961, when he resigned due to ill health. 
Less than a month later, on July 15, 1961, he was dead. The Edmonton Journal wrote, With the passing of Mr. Brownlee, Alberta has lost a truly outstanding citizen. A special train was set up to bring mourners to his funeral, which was held in Calgary before his body was taken to the family plot in Edmonton. Today, Brownlee is mostly remembered for the sex scandal, but some historians regard him as the greatest premier in Alberta's history thanks to negotiating the transfer of resource rights that brought prosperity to Alberta for much of the 20th century. In 2005, the University of Calgary ranked him as the third greatest premier in Alberta's history after Ernest Manning and Peter Lougheed. I hope you enjoyed that look at John Brownlee. Next week, we have a special interview episode I hope you enjoy. Information from Maclean's The Great Depression by Pierre Burton, Wikipedia, Canadian Encyclopedia, Edmonton Journal, and the Calgary Herald. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.